Let's all join together and pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Amen. So Jonah did not like what was going on, and he blamed God. On the outside, things absolutely looked bad. It looked like he was going to die and lose his life. And in fact, by this point, Jonah actually says he wants to die. It would be better for him to die than to live. So clearly, that low, things aren't only a problem on the outside for Jonah. Now Jonah's got a problem going on in here, too. By this point, Jonah is grumbling and complaining and just absolutely angry at God because of these things that God allowed for him to experience for this thing that God allowed to happen. If you haven't read the whole book of Jonah, which you can do in about 10 minutes, and you really should do after this later today, when do you think Jonah would have been feeling this and saying this kind of stuff? I mean, you would guess probably before the section that we read through, right? After he gets swallowed by the fish and he's in the stomach acid and sitting at the bottoms, the bottom of the sea, you would guess that's when Jonah is feeling this. In the darkness, in the putrid, disgusting smells, in that awful place. But I can tell you this, if you guess that's when Jonah would be feeling like that, you are absolutely wrong. Because you got to get to the end of the story of Jonah to know that after Jonah obeyed God and listened to God and did what God called him to do after that fish vomited him up onto the land, do you know that God gave Jonah a pretty great life? In fact, God blessed Jonah with more outward success than any of the other Old Testament prophets that we know. God blessed his life. After he did what he was supposed to do, God even gave Jonah this nice shady tree and this shady spot for Jonah to rest. And that's when Jonah goes off. Why should God be kind to sinners and forgive people that don't deserve it? Why did God, a day later, take away the shade that was above him and now he has to feel the sun beating down on top of him? Why was God allowing all of this to happen and that's after Jonah's life is actually going really well. He was mad at God and God's plans for him. His heart at that point was nowhere close to thanks. So these weeks and this series is all about God working in us so that he fills our hearts with thanks. Thanks that's going to overflow and pour out and show itself in our lives. So what in the world is going on with Jonah. Why is that how his story ends? I know at least one reason. So that we don't oversimplify things here. So that we don't equate God blessing us with a fulfilling job or money to spare or meaningful relationships or everyday happiness so that we don't equate that to those blessings mean a thankful heart's coming. 
Because even in the good times in our lives, gratefulness and thankfulness is not automatic. I think instead when things are going really well, it's easy to assume that you and I know best. I think that's a yearly experience that many of us are going to experience, especially this week on Thursday. As you spend a day with family and friends and you start talking about things that are going on in our world, I promise you, someone is going to share an opinion that they think is absolutely right. Like, positively, no questions asked. It's going to be about politics or sports or this family experience that they remember differently than you remember, and they're going to be absolutely sure that they're right and you're wrong and you're going to hear about it. I think that's what the Internet has kind of done to us today. All this information that sits right at our fingertips kind of makes us feel like we can be the experts that we actually know what we're talking about, that we know better than anybody else. And if I would bet, I would put some good money down that someone this week is going to tell you, here's an article that you have to read, here's a podcast that you absolutely need to get into, because once you look at that and see that, then you are going to see things the way that I do. Then you're going to see that I'm right. But what we might be missing more now than before all the technology at our fingertips is the opportunity for you and I to admit that maybe we don't know what's best. I can promise you this. A know-it-all perspective is not going to win you friends, and it's not going to make your Thanksgiving experience on Thursday any better. But even more than that, I know a know-it-all perspective that can ruin your relationship with God. Because it doesn't really matter if your life is more like the end of life story for Jonah that we have, where life is going great. Because then it's really easy to start thinking that things are good because of you and what you have done and your work and your abilities. And God stays out of the picture. Or maybe for you, life is more like the other side of things. Like when God sends for you that putrid and awful and just painful task. Because then your first reaction is like me, and it's anger at God, and then doubt, and then questioning if God is good. Because God allows fill-in-the-blank whatever to happen if life isn't going so well, then we go down that path. And don't hear me wrong. Wanting to know about how something so bad in your life could be good in any way, just wanting to know how this is playing out, that's not wrong. But when you head down that path, the end is this absolute belief that God is against you, that God isn't with you, or that God isn't going to be there for you. When you hit there, that we know isn't okay. That's a place where your heart is never going to find any thanks. So now we've looked at Jonah from the end, the good outward side, the unthankful side of his life. Let's go back 
the bad. The really bad. The smelly container of half-digested food that was his home for three days of darkness. Because it absolutely was God that sent Jonah down an awful path that included being swallowed whole by a giant fish and three days there. It was this putrid, disgusting plan that God had for Jonah that gave us, really, it's a poem, chapter 2. We're going to walk through this again, verse by verse, and what we're going to do is think through, is Jonah grumbling with these words, or is he giving thanks? Ready? Let's go back through it. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said... In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and he listened to my cry. So you get two things to start, right? You get bad. Jonah is in distress. Jonah is at the point of death here, too. And when he called out for help, the Lord answered. Even down there, God heard him grumbling for thanks. Next, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Again, we get this real honest admission of how awful his present life was. Before the fish, he is drowning. And then the fish swallows him. And yet he was looking forward to getting to the place where he could worship God again. Grumbling? Or thanks? The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head, my neck really there. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Sounds pretty awful. Like maybe the fish's food that the fish had eaten now was wrapped around him. And he recognized how unlikely it was going to be that he was going to survive. But still, grumbling or thanks, this verse may be kind of a toss-up. But then right after, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Too easy. Don't even have to ask. Jonah's able to talk with God, grumbling, no. Now, this is pure thanks, and finally the easiest. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Oh, you don't even question this. His heart is filled with thanks, even in this belly of a giant fish at the bottom of the sea, it's thanks that comes out. At least we know until the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land and then life gets better and then Jonah starts to complain. But before that, with that putrid plan, Jonah gives thanks. I mean, how could anybody with that kind of experience be thankful? I think it's because Putrid plans give you and I perspective. We don't lessen it. That awful experience sounds 
awful. There was not anything good about what was going on that we could see. But it did help him to see that even in the worst situation, he could count on one thing to be there for him, to listen to him, one thing to trust in when everything else in life is gone. Salvation comes from the Lord and not himself. I think this is one solid reason why God puts these putrid plans into our lives. It forces us to stop looking at ourselves or other people for the solid ground. Putrid plans make us look for something more, something better. And when we're in those things and we call out to God in the awfulness, God promises he hears us. And God points us in those plans here. Because here, he lifts us up. Here, he fills us with certain hope and thanks. Here, he saves us. Here, we trust that what God did in our baptisms was a permanent thing. Your sins were washed away. You were forgiven. You are part of his family. Here on the weeks that we celebrate, you eat his body and blood. And Jesus promises when you do that, he gives you real forgiveness. Here we start our worship services by admitting mistakes and failures and knowing that these aren't his measure for you. Here, we can admit that we haven't done what we need to do. And then we listen as God tells us that he did. And it's all done. Here is God's plan for you. Here, you're going to find absolute certainty in Jesus. And this plan is going to be something that you can hold on to and grab onto and never let go. It's something that no situation or person or problem can take away from you. It's going to be the reason that you get up in that plan to face the awful and rough days ahead. Because when you know how God feels about you, that he loves you without limits, that your mistakes and failures, he doesn't see those. Instead, you are perfect and holy in his child. You're going to be ready to face anything. And there's going to be thanks in here. You guys ready for your Mandarin lesson of the week? not turkey. I know turkey was a pretty good one. Uh, but today, it's pretty simple. It's xie xie. That means, anybody know? Thank you. It's one of the first words you got to learn when you're learning Mandarin. I think I probably said it more than any other Mandarin word that we said. Uh, not even turkey comes close to it. It's just thank you. Now do you want to know how we messed it up like turkey? We said it too much. Like when we got our food from a restaurant and we said, Chishia, thank you. Like when they bagged our groceries at the grocery store and they handed it to us, Chishia, thank you. When somebody moved out of the way in the bike lane so that we could bike through and we didn't hit them with our bike, Chishia, thank you. In that culture, that's too much. Their perspective was, if you use the words thank you and you say it that much for every simple and little thing, it kind of starts to lose its weight for the big things. Then the words and the feeling, then that is just empty. 
if you say it too much, then it doesn't really sound like you're truly thankful. No, I know. It sounds crazy. Especially for you if you're joining us and you're not really sure about Christianity. There's a part of me, there's a part of us believers that thinks this is absolutely crazy too. That this thanks in future plans, this is too much. This can't be real thanks coming out. It looks like people just playing on emotions when people are at their lowest and vulnerable. I mean, of course people are going to look for something better when life is hard. Of course then they're going to want God in their life. But for you, for us, that side of us that doubts, just try it and see. Choose to lean on God and see how your heart responds. Because when you have an ever-present, ever-helping God who promises to be with you no matter what, gratitude just starts to come out. You find a new perspective on the here and the now that might be bad. You know that there's going to be something better. That is the perspective that future plans can give us. That there is something better. Better than the best of this world. Better than the best day. Better than Jonah waiting for the first breath of fresh air after breathing in stomach air for three days. Something that can't compare at all. You've got something better to look forward to because of Jesus. When God lifts you up to his perfect place in heaven, there's going to be something better. That's how God wants your story to end. And the good news is that's how your story is going to end in Jesus. Not with complaining. Not with you hitting rock bottom. Not with something that might be here today and gone tomorrow. Future plans give you perspective to know that you have a real reason to give thanks this week and every day of our lives. It's God's perfect plan to save you and bring you home to heaven. It's Jesus. Amen.